Hello, and welcome to Heartline Ministries, a one-hour televised program and audio podcast where we take the timeless truth of Scripture and apply it to hearts and lives in the 21st century. Join Pastor Harold Noyes of Community Christian Church in Athens, Vermont, and Pastor Timothy Golden of Life on Main in Charlestown, New Hampshire, as they bring the light and life of God's Word to current situations and experiences. Now here are your hosts, Pastor Harold Noyes and Timothy Golden. Last time we were together, we did the first seven verses or so of John 3, having to say, you must be born again. And that's a term that there was a time that a lot of people didn't like that term, being born again. You know, right. they they kind of uh, went against their grain, I guess. Mm. Yet we see in verse 3 and in verse 7 that it says that Jesus says, you must be. There's no other option. Right. Right? You have to be born again. Um, and in a nutshell, what does that mean, to be born again? It's that talked obviously, as we've already talked about, that somehow you enter again into your mother's womb. It's dealing with the spiritual birth that's necessary. Uh, we are born physically, but we need to also be born spiritually. Uh, we lost that um, in the garden when sin entered into the world and death entered into man. Right. And so this concept of being born again is bringing with this aspect of being brought from death into life. And, but just as your body gave birth to, bodies give birth to bodies, only the spirit can give birth to your spirit, and that being the Holy Spirit. So if you go back to the Genesis um, chapters one, two, three, in that, in that area, mm -hmm. where God created Adam and Eve, and they were his people. Mm -hmm. But then sin entered in, and then they became, or we became, humanity became actually the sons of Satan, or the sons mm -hmm. of the devil. And Jesus even makes mention of that in the Gospels, where he says, you are of your father, the devil. Right. So to be born again means to, to once again, become adopted by God mm -hmm. out of the enemies or the devil's family. Mm -hmm. by trusting Jesus Christ as our personal Savior. Right. So that God, once again, becomes our Father mm -hmm. and not, not the devil. So that's what he's talking about. It, and it is a spiritual birth. It is mm -hmm. a, a renewing of the heart um, that we give over to God and say, Lord, I want to be yours. Mm -hmm. You know, I trust you as my personal Savior. I know you died for my sins on the cross. I'm trusting you for mm -hmm. all that you promised and all that you said that you would do. Right. And that's what being born again really is about, mm -hmm. is, is being adopted, if you will, and, and Paul uses that term quite a bit, being adopted from one family now into the back into the family mm -hmm. of God. And that's the key is back into. You know, yeah. That carries that concept of reconciliation, which yeah. is another big term, uh, that we know that God has reconciled us back to himself, which is this aspect of if you've got, like, for instance, two shoes and you lose one, and when you find that uh, find that lost shoe, you reconcile it back yep. to where it was meant to be. And so it's not just the fact that we're being adopted as though we were never his possession. We were reconciled through adoption yep. uh, to be brought back into his family where we were meant to be from the very beginning. And I think there's another word, too, that, that um, maybe not everybody is clear with, and that is uh, to be redeemed. Mm -hmm. And redemption means to be bought back, which means that at one time we were God's, mm -hmm. you know, or we were God's possession or yeah. God's family. But because of sin, we lost that. And now in coming to know Christ as our personal Savior, Jesus bought us back Mm -hmm. On his with his death on Calvary's mountain. Yeah, it's almost like the like I know here in Vermont, you know, had at least you used to have these things called redemption centers. Right, exactly. Right, which wasn't a bit spiritual term. It's where you know you went out and you bought the soda, at your local grocery store, and then what you do is you take that can back to the redemption center. Yep. Where a price is paid, so that they can take back that can. 
that was originally meant and, and get it back into the hand so that it can be used once again. Right. And uh, so it's it's a term that we do actually use today, right. just in a much different avenue right. than originally intended for Yeah, us. so yeah, there's a wonderful song that we sing at our church, and you probably do too, is uh, Redeemed How I Love to Proclaim It. Mm-hmm. You know, I've been brought back. Yeah. And that's what Jesus really is talking to Nicodemus about, mm-hmm. about being brought back. Now, he's a religious leader, and he has absolutely no concept of what Jesus is talking mm-hmm. about. Yeah. And I'm afraid that today in our religious world and culture, mm-hmm. many do not have the concept, do not understand the concepts of redemption or reconciliation right. or being brought back or being born again. Uh, they, just, they just don't understand what that, what that really means mm. and the implications Mm-hmm. that are there for you and for me yeah. uh, when we have trusted Christ as our personal Savior. Yeah. You know, so, so we're going to be going into uh, chapter 3 of John's Gospel, starting around verse 8 and probably trying to get down to verse 21. We'll see how, how well we do with that. But the conversation now that Jesus has with this religious leader, mm-hmm. uh, Nicodemus, and Jesus explaining to him what is happening in Nicodemus I'm sure he's looking like the the deer in the headlights what in the world are you talking about and mm-hmm. Jesus is going to explain to him what that is all about so I'm going to open in prayer ask the Lord to bless our time use our time for his glory do his praise as we go further into John chapter 3 and then I'll have Pastor Tim read verses 8 through 21 so let's ask the Lord to be with us Father we thank you so very much for the Lord Jesus Christ And Lord, we thank you that in this chapter 3 of John's Gospel, you explain to us what it is to be born again, to be be brought back into your family, to be redeemed. And Father God, help us to, to understand it, help us to apply it, help us to appropriate it. And Lord God, illumine our hearts and our minds as we look at this. So Father, we thank you and love you in your precious name of Christ. Amen. Amen. So right on the heels of mentioning that you need to be born again, Jesus goes on to say, The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus answered and said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered and said to him, Are you the teacher of Israel and do not know these things? Most assuredly, I say to you, we speak what we know and testify what we have seen, and you do not receive our witness. If I had told you earthly things and you do not believe, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended to heaven but he who came down from heaven, that is, the Son of Man who is in heaven. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have, ever, have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation, that the light has come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who does the truth comes to the light, that his deeds may be clearly seen that they have been done in God. Wow, <clears throat> what a, I don't know, once again, it's such a rich portion of scripture where Jesus now is going to Nicodemus who is a religious leader and Nicodemus just does not seem to Mm -hmm. comprehend what are you talking about but you know on Nicodemus's behalf I guess I mean he was so brought up in in doing deeds in trying to perform Mm -hmm. if you will that he does not understand uh, the wonderful grace that God now has afforded us, and yep. Jesus is, is talking about that God was going to afford us through what his son has done. Mm-hmm. And 
today, you, you talk about grace, and, and a lot of people don't understand it. They just can't seem to comprehend mm-hmm. how can an all-knowing, all-perfect, all-righteous, all-holy God look down upon sinful mankind and lavish us with such grace that Jesus is talking about in this portion of Scripture. Well, it comes down to uh, the fact that you have to can't look at the New Testament apart from the Old. And you just have to look as far as the tabernacle. And the tabernacle, you know, you had this structure within it of the holy place, that's comprised of the holy place and the holy of holies. And when the high priest would enter beyond the veil, beyond the veil was this thing called the Ark of the Covenant. Right. And if you've seen Raiders of the Lost Ark, you know what that thing kind of <laughs> looks like, right? But the thing is, is that Ark had this thing on the top of it called the Mercy Seat. But what was inside the Ark was some interesting things. It was things like the Ten Commandments, the law, right? Um, and the, there was some of the uh, manna, and then there was also Aaron's rod that had sprouted. But what you have a picture of within the ark is the laws, the requirements of God upon mankind that mankind can't fulfill. It is impossible for us to. And we know from reading scripture that it says if you broke one, you broke them all. Right, right. And there's no way we can, we have, we have all broken at least one of those in the course of our lifetime. And, but what you had is you have the high priest coming in on behalf of the people. Now, if the high priest didn't go through all of his things that he needed to do to make sure he was holy coming into that, he could be struck down mm-hmm. by God, right? But now he's coming on behalf of the people. But what was interesting is when they offered the sacrifices, he would bring in some blood with them. And that blood from the sacrifice that had to be given for the atonement of sin was placed where those two angels, again, if you remember the Raiders of the Lost Ark, where the two angels are have their wings spread out and they're looking down on this one center area, that was the mercy seat. And that's where the blood would be placed. And then that's what allowed him then to be able to offer up and stand there on behalf of the people. And so Jesus was becoming that for us. He hadn't quite yet. He hadn't been right. on the cross. Nope. But that's what Jesus became. The shedding of his blood became that blood on the mercy seat force which is why so when god had to look had to look down when when he went to commune with that high priest he had to look to the what what was there the ark of the covenant the law and all that however he couldn't see the law without first looking through the blood mm-hmm. and the blood gave permission you know and, and that's what jesus blood has done for us god sees our frailty if it wasn't save the fact of Jesus' blood. So for those of us that have accepted Christ, that have been born again in light of what we've talked about, we have applied that blood over our lives so that now God's, God's righteousness still stands, but amidst our frailty and being able to carry that out, he first sees the blood of his son that qualifies us and justifies us before his throne. Yeah, so, you know, we sing that beautiful song, What can wash away my sin? Nothing Nothing but but the blood blood of Jesus. Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And so Jesus now is going, and and he's he's going to use a picture, for example, in verse 8, where who can explain it? Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, he uses the picture, the wind blows where it listens, now hears the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and whether it goes. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. Can I explain what God has done? Hmm. And maybe we can just simply, you know, by, okay, he died on the cross at Calvary and so forth like that. But to explain God's great love for me or for us. I can't fathom it. Yeah. Well, how many of us, when we're growing up, you know, and you hit the, that stage of, wonderful stage called puberty, yeah. right? And then you begin to entertain questions that you never really thought about before. And one of those things is, how will I ever know when I'm in love? Yeah. And what did everybody usually tell you? You'll just know. You'll just know it. You know, when it, when it hits you, that's when you know. And you know what, as a kid, I remember thinking, what a crock. What yeah. a cop-out of an answer. Yeah. But, you know, being on the other side, there really was no other answer. You, like you said, it, it's impossible to explain even how love operates until you've experienced it. Yep. You know, once you've experienced it, then you can say, ah, now I know what you mean. Same thing with Christ. And, and that's why, you know, maybe Nicodemus had such a hard time grasping this because he had, he had practiced this intellectual Christianity or this intellectual religion. 
at, up to this point. He studied the law. He had so ate, drank, and slept this stuff. But it was all here. It wasn't down in here. It wasn't in the heart of who he was. And so, because he hadn't experienced the relationship with God. So for Jesus to try to explain to him what it means and what it's like to be born again, you can't. You've got to just experience it. Then you know. But what he makes very clear here is this. It only happens through the Spirit. And we know, as he says down in, later in verse 16, how does it happen? By believing on the Son of Man, believing on Christ himself. And that is ultimately what will bring that salvation or that born-again experience. You know, as I, as I was reading through this and listening as you uh, read it for us, I couldn't help but think of this verse in, in 1 Corinthians 13. It's the end, last verse, verse 13. Mm -hmm. It says, And now abide is faith, hope, love, or charity. These three. But the greatest of these is charity. Mm -hmm. And, you know, in looking at that, saying, okay, what is faith? You know, and, but one day that faith will become sight. Mm -hmm. So faith is no longer needed. Right. Hope will become, char uh, will become realized because you no longer have to hope for it because you're there. Right. But there will always be love. Mm -hmm. Love does not get dominated or, or anything, love mm -hmm. will be there. And that's what, uh, to me, John yeah. 3 is all about. And that will only be there. It will finally be understood. It'll be understood. It'll be realized. It'll be um, known in its, in its entirety, in its purity of what it is. Mm -hmm. And that's why, you know, Jesus is saying in verse 8, look, don't try to figure this out yet. Mm -hmm. Because you're not going to be able to really mm -hmm. understand it fully. That's why when we opened up the program, I said, have you had the illuminating power of God? Mm -hmm. How many times, Tim, have you and I read, for example, this portion of the scripture, and each time we read it, God pulls back the veil just a little bit more mm -hmm. so that we can get just a, a better glimpse, a mm -hmm. closer glimpse as to what he truly is talking about. Mm -hmm. You know, I remember reading this as a, as, uh, before I was saved and not understanding a thing of it. And then after I get saved, reading it and saying, aha, I see a little bit, yeah. But now, 50 some odd years later, I look at it and say, I don't still, I still do not fully understand it. I cannot still fully comprehend it, but that's okay. Because I know that he will unveil mm -hmm. bit by bit, bit a, a little more and a little mm -hmm. more. And that's what God is doing. And God was going to do that with Nicodemus. Yep. And study alone won't do it. Right. Simply knowing, it's, it amazes me the number of people that can quote scripture, but they don't get it. Yeah. You know, they, they, they can tell you maybe even the Hebrew and Greek stuff, but they still don't necessarily get it. Yeah. Because what they have done is all it is, is it's all up here. It's all just been studied. It's all just been picked apart and, and this sort of thing. But you cannot truly know the Word of God without knowing Him, without knowing Christ. You know, We can know of God. We can know of His Word. But there's a big difference between knowing of and actually knowing. You know, one of the things that, that's really interesting, if you go, for example, back to that first Corinthians 13, mm -hmm. you know, and, he, and he goes and he says, knowledge will cease. You know, but what is greater? What is the greater thing? The greatest thing is love. Mm -hmm. You know, he goes, um, I'm just trying to find that, that verse because I wasn't thinking of it in particular. But charity never fails. But whether it be prophecy, they shall fail. With tongues, they'll fail. Knowledge, it shall vanish away. Verse 8. Mm -hmm. But we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. But the neat thing about this chapter is that, you know something? I may have this knowledge, but you know something? It's not complete knowledge yet. Right. I may have this faith, but it's not complete faith mm -hmm. yet. I may have all these things, but it's not complete until when? Until I go to be with him. Well, at the very beginning of verse 12 there, right? For now we see, this is the Apostle In Paul, part. the person who probably knew Scripture better than anybody. Yep being a Pharisee of Pharisees. He says, for now we see in a mirror dimly, yep. but then we'll see full face to face. Yep. You know, and that's the very picture he's painting. Look, I'm not even getting it. Even with all the training, sitting underneath the best of the Pharisees and everything else, yep. 
I still don't totally get it, but one day I will. Yeah. You know, I almost wonder if Jesus now, in, back in John 3, in talking to Nicodemus, knows that, that these Pharisees, for example, they, they pride themselves in their knowledge, and they pride themselves of their grasp Mm-hmm. of the law in their grasp. And Jesus is, is kind of saying, saying to him, you know, though you may think you know everything, you haven't even scratched the surface, yeah. son. Yeah, because it's not even just the fact they prided themselves in it. They prided themselves in it, but they also lorded it yeah. over others, yeah. exalting themselves to a place they had no right placing themselves. And Jesus gives them a picture here. You know, so it's even beyond this aspect of the the, the deepest... Uh, manifestation of it, you know, that his spirit will give birth to our spirit. There's also kind of this secondary undertone to this that, look, you've got to be willing to truly humble yourself. You know, get off your high horse of pride, get off this attitude of lording it over people, and become as dependent as a newborn. Yep. And, And be willing to admit, I don't get it. Much like you and I do many times even on this program. We're sharing from the knowledge that God has graced us with and, and things that he's revealed to us, but we don't claim to have the whole picture ourselves. No. You know, only God has that. Right. And, and that's why we encourage people and we encourage all you that are listening. Don't just take our word for it. You know, we're opening up the scriptures to you, but we hope and pray that while we do this, that if you're, if you're able and in a place where you can do it, Bring your Bibles into these moments along with us and, and be turning and looking at these things along with us. So the God, can, God might want to speak some things as you read those words beyond even what we're saying. Yep. So. You know, I know that, for example, at in, in our church, and probably at yours too, but, but in the back page of the bulletin, for example, I have the talking points or the notes mm-hmm. for the sermon, hoping that people would, okay, this is what Pastor said, but let's go home and study it further. Let's go home and look at it a little more in depth if we can. And, and that's why we do it, is to say, just don't take my word for it. Mm-hmm. Go study it for yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, and Nicodemus is even asking that question in verse 9. Mm-hmm. How can these things be? You know, it's almost like he's looking at Jesus and saying, Jesus, do you know who you're talking about, talking to? Mm-hmm. I'm a Pharisee. I'm a learned man. I know all that has to be known, mm-hmm. and you're telling me that I don't know anything? Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, when it comes to spiritual things, mm-hmm. you really don't get it. Yep. And, you know, and we can be so hard on Nicodemus sometimes, too, because, like, man, how, you know, because we we, we're looking at it from the understanding of yep. what happened on the cross and what happened when he rose from the dead. We have that wealth of knowledge. He does not have yet at this point and in being able to interpret things. But, you know, and as hard as we want to get on Nicodemus sometimes, yeah, you know, you're supposed to be a great learned man and you don't even understand these things. But here's the interesting thing. Jesus doesn't leave it there. Right. He then goes on and explains it to him. Yeah. Which... And, and what I hear in Nicodemus is this, and, I, and this is, I think, what separated Nicodemus from so many of the other Pharisees. A lot of the other Pharisees, as you see throughout all of the Gospels, they'll ask these questions, but they're simply to trap him. Yeah, they just want to trick you. you right. know, it, it's getting some sort of debate or something. With what we see happening here is almost this aspect of, yeah, there's probably this aspect that, look, do you know, God, you know, I, I've been trained in this stuff, and, you know, so... What, what are you doing? You know, what, what are you saying? But yet there seems to be a genuine inquiry going on here because Jesus was not one just to simply entertain your debates, you know? So I think that within his heart was this aspect of, look, I know I've had all this understanding. I know I've kind of maybe come at it the wrong way all, all this time, but you know what? Now I'm in the presence of the man. Yep. Not just the words. I've studied the words. But now I've, I'm with the man himself, with God himself. So God, what do you mean? There's an inquiry of God. There's an inquiry into that relationship for fresh inspiration and fresh knowledge. And Jesus delivers. You know, you and I were talking about it earlier, is that, you know, the church needs to get to the point of going beyond the temple Mm-hmm. and being able to see the eternal. Yep. And I think that that's what Jesus is really saying to Nicodemus in verse 10. Art thou a master of Israel and knoweth not these things? Mm-hmm. Why? Because they, 
you know, they focused on the temple. They focused on the law. They focused on that which they think they can do or what mm -hmm. they can accomplish. And Jesus is saying, no, that's not where it's at. Mm -hmm. Let me show you what this is all about. And you brought up about Nicodemus. And what impresses me about Nicodemus is he doesn't leave the conversation here in chapter 3. Mm. He kept on coming back to Jesus. Even though he did it by night mm -hmm. under the cover of darkness many times yeah. because he didn't want to be ridiculed or seen by his, his compatriots and so forth. But he came back to ask more questions. Mm -hmm. And Jesus was very willing to sit down with him and say, here, let me explain this again. Let me talk to you some more. Mm -hmm. And isn't that the same way he is with us? Yeah. You know, all right, so you're not getting the full picture yet. Come back to me. Yeah. But there's the difference if you come back with the right heart. Yep. And again, Heartline Ministries, right? Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, uh, but his heart was right, you know. And yeah, did he have his questions uh, and have to deal with all that stinking thinking he got just from all the Pharisaical teachings over right. all those years. Yeah, he had to deal with that. But down underneath all of that, there was this genuine soft heart that, like I said, wanted to receive and was willing to accept the fact that, you know what, maybe I don't know as much as I think I do. Mm. You know, I'm, I'm, if I can just go back to verse 8 for a minute, yeah. I wonder, you know, once again, just trying to play, play this out, I wonder if Nicodemus could understand what keeps drawing me back to him. Mm. Why I mean, there's something about him that I just can't put my finger on yet. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and Jesus even mentions that in verse 11. You know, truly, truly, I say unto you, we speak that which we know and testify what we have seen, and you receive not our witness. Why? Because this is so contrary to what you've been taught. Mm -hmm. This is so contrary to the human nature. Right to humanity mm -hmm. that I'm going to show you something brand new that goes beyond your comprehension because mm -hmm. it's, so, it's so foreign to you. And I'm going to bring it home to you. Mm -hmm. and, and isn't that being born again to so many that is so foreign? It was so foreign to me until it happened, until mm -hmm. I trusted Christ as my personal Savior. Mm -hmm. And then to recognize, oh, now I understand it. To be born of the Spirit goes so far beyond just being born of the flesh. Mm -hmm. And to be able to now look at God's Word and, and get these glimpses mm -hmm. of what God is trying to say to me. Mm -hmm. You know, I had a, had a young gal the other day that called me up and she says, you know, I was away for a while and, and something happened to me which kept me in my hotel room for a while. And I shared with her, I says, do you think maybe that was God's protection for you? Mm. And she says, you know, I wouldn't have believed that a year ago, but I do believe it now, mm -hmm. you know, because, you know, things were going on down there at the resort that they were at that was now contrary to her because of, of her trusting Christ as her savior. Mm -hmm. And therefore God protected her. Oh, yes, she, you know, and, and, you know, he just kind of had to set her aside for a little bit so that she understood what it means. Mm -hmm. Wait a minute. God, you protected me from that. Right. And these are the things that we can't comprehend. Mm -hmm. But God is doing that work. And God is saying the very same thing to Nicodemus. He says, look, you do not understand it. You do not receive our witness. You haven't mm -hmm. received it yet. Then he goes in verse 12, if I have told you earthly things and you believe not, how shall you believe if I tell you heavenly things? Mm. Nicodemus, this is so beyond human rationale, mm -hmm. so beyond human thinking, yep. that, for example, you know, and, and this is, you know, and, and I tell people this all the time, I don't fully understand, I cannot fully comprehend God's great love for me. Mm -hmm. Why would a holy, righteous, pure God mm -hmm. love a wretched sinner like I am. Mm -hmm. Or as Paul says, I am, I am the worst of the worst. Mm -hmm. I am the chief of sinners. But God loves me. Mm -hmm. 
explain that. Yeah. I have I have trouble doing that. Mm-hmm. You know, and but Jesus is saying to me, let me show you these things. Mm-hmm. You know, and and it's not just I'm going to show you today, and you know it all. No, this is going to be a lifetime now of learning mm-hmm. of me. Yeah. You know, and and you and I, I mean, being in the ministry, it is a lifetime commitment, and it's a lifetime of learning. Yeah. And and every week we get together, and you know we share with each other. You know, well, let me show you. Let me. This is what God showed me this week, or or how God spoke to me, and and you know yeah. it, it's a lifetime of learning. Yeah, and it, and not only was it a lifetime of learning for him, it was also going to be first of all a lifetime of unlearning. Yeah, before he could learn. Yeah, yeah, you know? and, and I think that's a bit of what we see happening here. I'm mean, the, the things that he's Jesus is speaking in this conversation go so contrary. Again, remembering that in that culture, from the minute that those children are able, they are starting to learn mm-hmm. and memorize the Torah and, and the scriptures as a whole. It is really wired into their thinking from day one. And, and then the goal is to you know, eventually move up that point where you are able to become in order to be a Pharisee, where you're sitting underneath the Pharisees, now you're receiving their interpretations also of what the scriptures were. So he's had a lifetime of Bad theology, yep, <laughs> in, in yep. a sense, and from, from the stamp. And I shouldn't say say that really, because it was based on old covenant, right? And versus being based on the new covenant that was coming through Jesus Christ. But amongst us, everything that he's talking about goes contrary. This concept of being born again. You know, think about this. They they've been teaching people grow up in the faith, be mature, be more like God by acting the way that God would operate. And now you're trying to tell me, hold it, go all the way back and be born again. Mm-hmm. You know, this this is contrary. This is like going in reverse. And and then there's this aspect of, and why do you do all those things? So that you can somehow gain God's acceptance. But what Jesus lays out here is, you know what, guess what? This really isn't about you gaining my acceptance, because guess what? Your God loved you before the foundations of the world, to the point that he gave his son for you. Yep, And so this isn't about you trying to achieve as you've been beating into everybody, as you've had beaten into you. It's about simply accepting me. It's got nothing to do with you. And it's like, th- this was very foreign thinking. So mm. it, it was, you know, again, it, on its own merit, it would be hard to grasp. But when you put it up against the fact of everything they've been taught up until now, made it even that much harder. You know, I was thinking of this as saying, you know, everything up to this point is physical or is you can see it. Mm-hmm. You know, and if I can't see it, I can't believe it. Now what Jesus is saying, you know, especially if we go down to verse 13, um, and no man has ascended to heaven. But he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man, which is in heaven. And what is Jesus saying? Oh, by the way, Nicodemus, do you really know who you're talking to yet? Mm-hmm. You know, you taught that the Messiah was coming, but you were always doing it on the physical. Mm-hmm. Thinking he's going to come on a white horse and being kingly and being all these things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that isn't how I came. Right. You know, so you don't really yet comprehend who you are talking to. Right. You know, and and I see that in verse thirteen. So Jesus, you know, do you do you know what I've done? Mm-hmm. You know, no man ascended up to the heaven but he that came down. Nicodemus, where do you think I came from? Mm-hmm. You know, and all of this. I mean, let's get a picture here. Yeah. And, and that, this is where we have to, you know, look beyond here and say, wait a minute. Yes, Jesus Christ is all man, mm-hmm. but he's also all God. Yep. And we got to reconcile those two together. Mm-hmm. And that's what Jesus is starting to do here in chapter 3. Mm-hmm. You know, by saying, look, you don't understand. I came down from my father. You know, I wasn't just born of Joseph because I wasn't. Mm-hmm. My mother was a virgin. And so therefore, I came down from God. Nicodemus, I need to help you to understand or open up your spiritual eyes. 
And all of this has to deal with opening up the spiritual eyes. Yeah. And we today try to help our people to open up their spiritual mm -hmm. eyes, to look beyond what is the physical and look into what is the spiritual. Mm -hmm. what, is, what is the fullness of the spirit which God yeah. has given to us? And that's why he started in verse 8. You don't understand where the wind comes. Mm -hmm. You can't see the wind. You can't, you can't put any grasp into it. Mm -hmm. But guess what? Now I'm going to show you the real picture. Yeah. And, and he starts that with verse 13, I yeah. think. Yeah. No man has ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man, which is in heaven. Mm -hmm. So who am I? Yeah. And I like how you, you'd put that before, too, that I don't think you've got a full grasp on who I am. Nor do you have a full, because of, as you'd said before, you had this idea of how I was going to come. Right. And then he goes on to elaborate on that, even in the next verse, where he says, and, and he puts it in a veiled picture for him, because it's not time <laughs> for the world yet to know. Right. But he makes it very well known that, look, remember Moses. You know, yep. you, you know the Old Testament. And, and so he's, he's building on his wealth of knowledge here. And he's like, you know how Moses was commanded to lift up the servant when, when, the, when the Israelites were all you know, beginning to suffer these, this illness and how I had him lift up that snake on a, on, a, on, a, on a pole. And as they came to that, they would be healed. Well, guess what? In the same way the Son of Man is going to be lifted up. That was speaking of his crucifixion. Right. That he was going to be lifted up and as people look to him, look to what it is that he has done, they would be saved from this eternal damnation, the sickness that's going to drag them to the pit of hell, and actually bring life back into them and allow them to be born again. So he's given them a picture that I'm not here to be a military guru here. Yep. I am coming to bring a different kind of victory, and it's one that has eternal ramifications. You know, a great picture that you just helped paint um, was there at the cross and you have the soldiers mm -hmm. and you have the centurion looking up at Jesus being on the cross and saying truly this is the son of God yeah. but he had to see him lifted up yeah. upon the cross and it became a reality to him yeah. wow what did we just yeah. do you know, and who is this man? Truly, he is the Son of God. And that's what we need to come to. Mm. You know, uh, I, I love the song, At the Cross, At the Cross, yeah. I first saw the light. You know, and, and that's where it's all at. And, and Jesus is pointing that out here in verses 13 and 14. You know, and mm -hmm. as Moses was lifted up in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man. And, and it's really interesting. I have a guy in my church who loves using this term, the Son of Man. Why is he called the Son of Man? Mm. Why, isn't, why, why isn't he saying, here I am, the Son of God, the Son of God to be lifted up, the Son of God to be this, the Son of God to be this. Why is he called the Son of Man? Well, I think in this passage specifically, that's who they're lifting up mm -hmm. at that moment. They're placing him on that cross because they feel he is just a man. You know, he, they are not identifying the fact that he is God as they lift him up. It's only after, you said, after he's already been lifted right. up and he's been placed in that role that one man that we know of understood. And it was, of all people, it was a Roman. It wasn't even a Jew at right. the moment. Yep. You know? And that's not sounding anti-Semitic or anything like that. But, um, but the religious leaders were there at the foot of that same cross oh, sure. when he was lifted up. And while he was lifted up on that cross, yeah, if you're truly God, why don't you come on down? But they had in their own minds, what they had put up there was simply a son of man. They were looking at him just as man. They did not realize that his whole purpose for coming was for that very moment. Yeah, yeah you know, I, I, I look at this, this term, you know, you find in verse 13, you find in verse 14, and so forth. The son of man, I think what he was saying to Nicodemus is, I want you to understand that I as God have come down to experience everything that you as a human being have experienced. Mm -hmm. You know, we, look, we see in Hebrews, I think it is, in all ways he was tempted like us, yet without sin. Right. And he's explaining that to Nicodemus now. Look, Nicodemus, everything you're going through, I as God am going to go through that with mm -hmm. you. 
and I'm going to experience everything you experience. So I am the son of man. Mm-hmm. You know, there's nothing that you ex- have experienced right. or will experience that I, as the son of man, will not experience. Mm-hmm. I've experienced all of those things. Yep. You know, and, and so, so often I hear people say to me, yeah, but, you know, God doesn't really know what I'm going through. You want to bet? He's already been there. And he's been through more than you've been through. Yeah, he's already been there. Mm-hmm. I, I love using this illustration, this picture. You know, you got the devil who's up in heaven, and he's bringing accusations against Tim or against me or against you or whatever. And he's bringing accusations, and Jesus standing up and saying, Dad, I've been there. I know it's tough, but I paid the price for them. Mm-hmm. I've been there. So yeah. I've experienced what Harold or what Tim or whatever your name is are experiencing. Yeah. I've been there. And to me, that's what he's explaining to mm-hmm. Nicodemus. Though Nicodemus, the scales have not fully fallen off his eyes yet. Right. You know, and that's going to happen later, I believe. But he's now starting to pull back some of those those scales and mm-hmm. helping him to see just a little bit as to what he's doing. Mm-hmm. So that's why he says in verse 13, no man hath ascended up into heaven, but he that came down. See me, look where I came from. Mm-hmm. Okay, I just did not come from the seed of Joseph. That's mm-hmm. not who I am. I came from the seed of God. Yeah, That's who I am. Verse 14, he uses the illustration of Moses, 15, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Mm -hmm. Wow, what a jam-packed, you know, so many today in our world, we we like talking about heaven, but not a whole lot is spoken about hell anymore. Mm -hmm. You know, and people become offensive, offensive or offended when you stop mentioning hell. Well, God's a loving God. God's a gracious God. God. So there's no such thing as hell. Mm-hmm. Yes, there is. In verse mm-hmm. 15, he says, Whosoever believeth in him should not perish. Mm-hmm. So he's saying, look, there were two places that after death people go. Either you're going to go to heaven and be with the Lord Jesus Christ, or you're going to go in hell. You're going to perish. Mm-hmm. You're going to be condemned. Yep. That is that is the truth of the matter. Mm-hmm. And Jesus is, is even saying to Nicodemus, Nicodemus, look, here are your choices. Mm-hmm. You can either believe in me and have eternal life, or you can stay as you are mm-hmm. and perish. Right. One or the other. Mm-hmm. That is, those are the choices. Mm-hmm. But to also understand, as he would go on to say later, especially in verse 17, um, you know, that... It's not that God, for some reason or another, is choosing to do this as a form of punishment upon you. Jesus did not come, as it said it specifically, he did not come into the world to condemn it, but that the world through him might be saved. In other words, Jesus came to pay the penalty so that no one would have to go. Right. Unfortunately, a lot of people are going to choose to go. Right. But he's done everything possible within his own power to make sure that doesn't happen. But if people choose not to accept him and accept what he did through his blood, they send themselves to hell. Yeah, and, and that's, that's a key that I think that we really need to emphasize today, Tim, is this. Why do people go to hell? Not because God wanted them to. Right. God does not pick and choose and say, okay, you're saved, you're unsaved, you're saved, you're unsaved. That is not God's wish. He desires that none should perish, right. but that all should come to repentance. That's exactly. what Peter says to us. Mm-hmm. And, and therefore, he's saying to Nicodemus, Nicodemus, you have a choice. Mm-hmm. You can come and be with me by trusting me, by believing me, mm-hmm. by recognizing the reason that I came, or you can reject me. If you reject me, you have condemned yourself. Right. I'm not condemning you. Mm-hmm but you have condemned yourself because you fail or you refuse to believe yeah. me. And, and you know, we go further into this, uh, verse 18, he that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already. Mm-hmm. Why? Not, you know, and once again, I think one of the things we need to really look at is this, all of this goes beyond the religious activities, because mm-hmm. he's talking to a religious man. 
Mm-hmm. And he's saying to him, he says, look, all these good things that you think you're doing to save yourself, that doesn't do it. Right. That doesn't cut it. What cuts it is you have to believe me for who I am. Mm-hmm. That's all I ask yeah. of you. And from the minute you do, yep. that's when you're born again. It's from the minute that you do, the eternal life begins. Right. Or doesn't. Right. Because that, that's a very important word that he said there, that he who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already. already. In other words, from this very moment, you are condemned. Yeah. But the, the reverse is also true. From the minute that you accept Christ, eternal life begins. Right. At that moment. Not after you die. It starts at that moment. Yeah. And, and I think a lot of people uh, have the misconception that, you know, I'll have eternal life when I leave this earth. No. Your eternity has started the moment you trusted Christ as Savior. Mm-hmm. You know, as far as having eternal life is concerned. Yeah. And, and that is so very real. So we look at this, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. So just to take a moment, what does it mean to believe in him? Okay, and that is huge, and I'm glad you said that, because it doesn't, this is not like believing in Santa Claus. Yep. Or something of that nature. Uh, it tells us elsewhere in Scripture um, a better definition, because we, we've taken this, we've made it almost something that it's not, you know, that somehow just simply believing that he died for my sins is enough. Believing that he's the Son of God's enough. Well, Scripture tells us that the demons believe that, yep. and they shudder. Right. Okay, so that kind of belief is not what we're talking about. It says elsewhere in Scripture, it says that unless a man professes with his mouth that Jesus is Lord and believes in his heart that God raised him from the dead, he shall be he or she shall be saved. Right. At that moment, right? So salvation is a twofold thing. It's not just this cheap gospel we hear so many times that somehow it's just enough to make him savior just to accept the gift that he did is to also say and i choose lord god to also make you my lord i choose to live my life the way that you want me to live you know now it doesn't mean we're going to get it perfect or that we're going to get it right 100 percent of the time but it means that that's where our heart is at and that we're striving at least in that direction no i have a buddy or a friend of ours of our family um that many years ago 30 some odd years ago i believe it is now had a heart transplant Mm. What does that mean? You know, you take one and you replace it with another one. And to me, that's what Jesus is talking to mm-hmm. us about. It says, you need a heart transplant. And if you trust me, if you believe in me, you believe in what I've done, you believe in who I am, but you do it with all your heart. Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, with all thy strength. Mm-hmm. That's what you need to do. It's not just simple... You know, uh, okay, Jesus, I accept you, and now I can just go mm-hmm. live my life. Because right. to do that is to reduce Jesus and reduce Christianity to nothing but a mantra. Yeah. To, to a hocus pocus. If I simply say the words, if I just say abracadabra or open sesame, it's going to happen. You know, and it's not that. I mean, we've got to profess those things with our lips, absolutely. But if the heart isn't there, and we don't truly believe that when he died, he died for me. And yes, God, I know I don't deserve it, but I choose to accept the fact that you did it for me, and I choose to accept your son's price for my sin. So come in and change me. Yep. Transform yep. me from the inside out. Yeah. Yeah. I love Second Corinthians five seventeen. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Mm-hmm. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. Yeah. And that is what he's talking about. This right. is not just some religious activity. Mm-hmm. So who is it good for? And we're going to have to end with verses 16 and 17. Who is it good for? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever, that herald noise, mm-hmm. can believe on him and have eternal life, or that Timothy Golden can believe on him and have eternal life, or whatever your name is. That is the whosoever. Correct. It is open to anybody. Mm-hmm. Jesus does not, did not come here to condemn us. Jesus came here to save us. Mm-hmm. Jesus it says that Jesus came to seek and to save that which is lost. Mm-hmm. And that is everybody. Yeah. And it's remembering that while we were yet sinners, Christ died, Christ died for us. The, the, the price of salvation didn't come the minute we made a decision to try to make our lives yeah. better. It's, he was saying when you were 
actively going the other direction. That's when I saw you. Yep. And so it, it's not about what you can achieve. Just just let me do it. Yeah, you know, I've had people, and I get a close with this, but we've had people, I've had people say to me, well, Pastor, I'll come to Jesus when I, when I clean up my act. Hmm. Wrong answer. Yeah. Because guess what? You'll never clean up your act. That's right. So come to Jesus and allow him to clean up your act. Yeah. Because he promised he would. Yeah. You know, and he'll do that. So we'll pick it up from here next week. Um, but please, if you haven't trusted Christ as Savior, mm -hmm. just say, Jesus, I believe you for all that you are and for all that you say you've done. Mm -hmm. You did it for me. You did it for me. You don't want to condemn me. You don't want me to go to hell. You want me to have eternal life. And Jesus, that's why you died on the cross. I believe that. I accept that. I trust you for that. I'm going to rely upon you for that. And I want to thank you for that. Mm -hmm. That's what it means to be born again. Yep. To have a heart transplant. Allow the Spirit of God now to come into your life and to do a work in your life. Just like he had to do a work in Nicodemus' life. Mm -hmm. He believed all the outside stuff. But now God wanted to do the work from the inside out. Mm -hmm. And that's what he does with us. I'm Pastor Harold Noyes, pastor of the Community Christian Church. We're located on the Lower Road in Athens, Vermont. We have morning worship at 9.30 every Sunday morning. We have an evening service at 6 p.m. And we're just, you know, if you're in the area, we'd love to have you stop in and say hi, worship with us, uh, study with, the, with us from the Word of God, and just, uh, you know, just to get to know you. So we'd love to see you. And if you're on the other side of the planet, a.k.a. the other side of the <laughs> Connecticut River uh, in New Hampshire, uh, feel free to come on over to Charlestown, New Hampshire. Uh, Life on Main meets at the Senior Center there at 223 Old Springfield Road every Sunday morning at 11 o'clock. We'd love to have you be able to come worship with us. We also have coffee at 10 o'clock to make sure you're thoroughly awake before the message so I don't put you to sleep. Uh, <laughs> just kidding. But... Um, but we do want to be able to have you come and just be able to worship God together with us. And we want to thank everyone for tuning in. Let people know that you what Heartline is and uh, what you think about it. Hopefully it's good. Um, but spread the word about it. Uh, you can find us on most community uh, TV stations in along the Connecticut River Valley. We are also now being aired in Keene, New Hampshire, on their uh, community television station there as well. So let people know about that. You can also find us on Facebook. You can also find us at Fact TV's website, fact8.com, and also on uh, numerous social media sites such as YouTube, uh, Rumble, um, Facebook, and Truth Social. And if video's not your thing and you want to just have audio while you're tra traveling in the car, you can find us on most popular podcast providers. That's Hope it. to see you next week on Hotline Ministry. <laughs>